Nations League, Nations League. We all love the Nations League. Here's a game. There's a team. Score a goal. Who gives a shit? Ooh, ah, Cantona said, ooh, ah, Cantona. Ooh, ah, Cantona said, ooh, ah, Cantona. Sporting director? I just love your, I just feel like you've really stolen that from me at the top of the program, to be honest. That was kind of my thing. And you're doing it significantly better and funnier and it's getting frustrating. <laughs> anyway, uh, this is the Week in the Tackle podcast. Uh, I'm Tom Rennie, the radio personality that is alongside me uh, is the seventh sexiest Olympian, according to a public vote. Uh, decide for yourselves who the other six are. Ugly bastards. It is Mr. Brian Dunseth. How are you, mate? You all right? Fantastic, Rennie. Uh, another weekend without domestic football creates opportunities uh, and memories. And by the way, I went to WWE on Wednesday night. Oh, yeah. I saw the wrestling. <laughs> saw the wrestling out here in Salt Lake City. A little smackdown. Um, Kevin Egan, who is a broadcaster for Atlanta United and is uh, Monday Night Raw's interviewer. He's the guy that does the backstage interviewers uh, interviews and goes into the, to the ring every once in a while. Got me tickets. Uh, sent the tickets always like I'm not going to be there go go take your boys my boys are obsessed my middle boy Mike is obsessed with wrestling perfect age perfect age and so yeah it really is 13 10 and a half four and a half so my wife by the way is like where are you sitting and I was like I don't know they're free tickets right free tickets free tickets are great tickets those are the best kind of tickets ever <laughs> so she pulls up the seats we're on the floor we're four rows back from the ring four rows like sweat tears blood all the other parts and nibbly parts that pop out when you're watching wrestling right there, right there. So we, we was, had it, a was it thrilling? Were you in thrall? Oh, so the last wrestling event that I'd been to was SummerSlam in Columbus, Ohio. Buster Douglas that beat Mike Tyson in a boxing match was sat right next to me. Super fascinating individual. Um, so it's been a while, right? I was like 24 ish, 25 ish, but to go like, the sport, like the show that they put on and like the insane athleticism and scripted, not scripted, real, not real, fake, whatever. Like, well, it's fake and not real. That's that's just so just so people don't know there's like a there's not a there's not a debate to be had there. It is fake. It It is. is like a soap opera for teenagers, which is fine. Nothing wrong with nothing wrong with that. It's like a soap opera for teenagers on steroids, allegedly. Well, actually confirmed in some cases. So. You know, there's nothing wrong with that, but I mean, yeah. let's not start the debate about whether it's fake or not. Well, potato, potato. Anyways, the insane athleticism for those men and women, extraordinary. Yeah. It was really fun. Uso brothers and Roman Reign and acknowledge him and all of that stuff. Like the pomp and the circumstances. What a great show. I mean, it, it was a great show. So had a blast. Uh, thank you, Kevin Egan, my man. Um, so yeah, dude, I, that's, that's, Ton of soccer. So a friend of mine, uh, a friend of mine who now works at the Daily Mail, we're, we're kind of old colleagues that talk sport, and he's at the Daily Mail now. Anyway, he went to the clash at the castle thing recently in Wales. They did a big show in uh, in in the UK, and Roman Reigns was mm-hmm. in the press conference, right? And he does this acknowledge me thing, which you just yeah. referred to, yeah. and he said it to the guy that I know, and I just thought to myself. And I've had this debate with him a couple of times about the fact that it's just, as I liked the wrestling when I was 13, I think it's a like a rite of passage to like the wrestling, you know, and then put on a great show, as you say. But it's just sort of like, um, he said to him, acknowledge me in the press conference. And it's like, you're a f-ing actor. <laughs> like, I'm not going to acknowledge you. Like, I'm sorry. No. Uh, sorry, we should say there's no Tim this week. Sorry, Chris. So that's two I've done now already. Sorry, Chris. 
Um, but like, it's just like, I just couldn't take that seriously. Muscular guy that could break your face. You may well be, but you're yeah. like an actor. So I'm not going to acknowledge your fighting abilities. You're basically mm. a brilliant dancer. You're yeah. basically like on Strictly Come Dancing <laughs> and that's great. And you're talent. You're very, very talented. And I don't deny that for a second. Yeah. But also like you're not Tyson Fury or Anthony Joshua or like, you know, Buster Douglas. You're a dancer. You're mm. a dancer. I'm not going to acknowledge you. If he was, Are you going to tell him that he's if a dancer? If I was in the press conference with him, which is why I don't yeah. go to these press conferences. And he was like, <laughs> acknowledge me. I would have said, are you joking? He would have Donkey Konged you. No, he, he would literally would have bumped you on the top of the head to... and you would have woo, 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 no, woo. A, it... that would have been assault and I would have got him arrested. So he wouldn't have done that because that wouldn't be allowed. B, like mm. if, if he'd have said to me, acknowledge me, I'd have gone like, yeah, you're a tremendous dancer and a good and like a, a, a decent actor, I suppose. But hey, like Roman, I just want to put this out there. Uh, I acknowledge you. Tom Rennie, on the other hand. If you if you were in a room with him and he said yeah. stood up and did a deep breath to acknowledge me in yeah. a press conference, do you think you would? Because I mean, the, the guy because he's a big wrestling guy was like, I acknowledge you, but I'd have been like, what, <laughs> what, <laughs> what? You, by the way, he's so big, like physically massive. Yes, that I'm pretty sure you would have come up to his waist. Yeah, but no, I'm not saying he's not best at gym. <laughs> He's best at gym. You win gym. (laughs) He's best at gym. Tremendous dancer. Mm. Great athlete. All that sort of stuff. But like, I just don't get it. I don't get like, I don't get the the uh, the deference to someone who's a brilliant actor. They they basically brilliant. They're great actors. But didn't you like? I knew you were there, and so I watched a bit of it. And it wasn't one of the scenes where like he gave the T-shirt to a grown man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, shoot, I can't remember his name. It doesn't um, matter what. I, actually, that well, was a rock. Be, that was the rock. It doesn't matter what his <laughs> name is. Yeah, yeah. Well, he. So uh, obviously, it's like the Pacific Islander bloodline, and that's part of the shtick and everything. Yes. I can't. I can't remember what his name was. But oh, just the whole thing me? is just. It's great, and I hope the teens enjoy it. But, yeah. what, but then when you get it out of the sphere of the universe they create so brilliantly, mm. I kind of think now you're just a man who's best at gym. Let's talk about some of the football. And I do want to look, I, I just the Nations League. I actually do believe in it. I actually do think you? it's a really good idea. Okay. I thought uh, the culture of bad friendlies had to go. Mm. I'd been to some. I went to a game was like England, Switzerland at Wembley in like kind of February international break some years ago. Uh, I've been to a few things since like working on them or, um, you know, free tickets, hospitality. But the last time I actually paid was about 10 years ago, eight years ago. And I went to the game, and it was one of the first games England fans were throwing paper aeroplanes from the upper tier to the pitch. And the most entertaining thing of the night was when a guy threw a paper aeroplane and it hit the centre spot. Beyond that, there was nothing entertaining that happened because what happened was basically irrelevant. And it was a bit like the way Greg Bearholder treated the US game against Japan the other day. Run outs, guys! We're going to get run outs! Like Oprah Winfrey, you get a cap! You get a cap! Everybody gets a cap. Complete waste of time. Nobody like you got, got a shot. Nobody like, got a o- shot. Like Oprah got that car. You got that car from Oprah home and it yeah. turned out it had like no wheels. No, you had like to pay was... the taxes. Rennie, you got a free car, but you had to pay the taxes. Yeah, thanks, Oprah. That cost me four grand. <laughs> thanks, a bundle. You've seen what Quarteng has done to our economy. Hey, Kamikaze budget. Got no money now. I need to get paid mm. in dollars. I got no money now, thanks to Quasi. Hey, anyway. It's a great time to go to Europe. 
Yeah, well, yes, it's great time to get paid in dollars. Thank you, Sirius XM. Um, but I just, I mean, it just, I like the fact that friendlies in general are pretty pointless. I can see that if you're going into a major tournament, a couple of friendlies, loosen up the limbs, mm. get, I get it totally. Mm-hmm. But in like September, when there's no qualifiers, you've got an international break for some ridiculous, stupid reason, I can see why they make it work. Plus, because England just got relegated from their group, following the Italy game, they're now going to have a slightly tougher European Championship qualifying group, which might give us some excitement there. But of course, you're going to qualify anyway because the European Championship is so expanded, you could finish second in your group and still qualify. So there's no mm. great... You, they might be in a group with Spain, for example, and finish second and still qualify. So no great peril, but something to talk about. So there's my caveat for you. Hope you enjoyed it. How? So let's get to these international games because... The World Cup is close now. As yeah, we record, yeah. we're at 55 days-ish, something like that. And I watched a couple of games. I, I wasn't going to, but I did it for this show. Hmm. Such is my dedication to this podcast. I watch Italy-England highlights, six seconds of my day. Um, I watch Germany-Hungary highlights, eight seconds of my day. I watch Spain-Switzerland highlights, to be fair, two minutes. Hmm. Uh, and Denmark-France, again, cool. to be fair, Denmark. Three minutes of my time. Lot, I gave yeah, that. You invested a lot of backstory there. So and I'm just looking at these nations who might win the World Cup. And that's four of the teams defeated there who might actually win it. They're four mm. of the eight favorites, I think, last I checked. And everyone now, Danny, they don't want to get injured. They don't want to pull a hamstring, break a leg. And also, they've looked at October. And if I just talk about Premier League teams for a moment, I'll talk about Man United and West Ham. One's in the Europa League. One's in Conference League. They both got nine games in mm. October and a yep. further three or four with the Moose Cup, the League Cup, in November. And so they've got to this game. Decker Rice has turned up for this game. Harry Maguire's <laughs> turned up for this game. They're like, who are we playing, boss? It's Italy. Terrific, terrific. What's it for? It's Nations League. Mm. Yep. Okay. That's the... Okay, great. Okay, well, that's good. Good to win. Good to win it, I suppose. Good to win. You know, you go to a Sunday league competition, it's good to win. Yeah. Uh, but if we don't win, oh dear, what a pity, never mind. Mm. And that's sort of how they played. And that's how they've 100%. all played. Daddy, these games have literally been the embodiment of, oh dear, what a pity, never mind. Yeah, look, look, looking back, I agree with you 100%. And, and you, you hit the nail on the head. We should have just stopped there. These guys aren't playing to win anything. These guys are playing and competing to not get injured. The reality is this isn't downing tools. It's not, it's not. These guys care. They want to, it's bonus money. Uh, there's pride. There's no doubt. There are caps on the line. There's sponsorship deals, boot deals, all of these things. I get that. But nobody wants to get hurt. Mm. Nobody wants to get hurt. And what we're going to do is we are going to hear conversations in, and it's going to something, it's going to sound something like, well, in retrospect, we probably shouldn't have scheduled those Nations League games in the run up to the World Cup. <laughs> Again, this whole cock-up is because we decided to have a World Cup in Qatar in November and December. So games like this, you are now Araujo, who for Barcelona, he's got to have thigh surgery because he goes away with Uruguay. He's going to miss the World Cup. Yep. These things are going to start to happen more and more because now in the back, there's a seed in the back of every player's mind. And I can promise you 100% this is factual. Because it happened for me going to the Olympics. You want to be as sharp and as fit and as focused as possible, but you also want to get on the plane. And what happens, and it happened to me, 
is you try to do a little too much or you taper off. But it's either there's no there's no gray area. You are unable to operate at the same mental and physical level that you normally would because the eye is on the prize. And the eye is on the prize is to make sure when that boarding gate closes and the door closes, sorry, Chris, that you are sitting on that seat with your tidy new suit, your bags up ahead or in below, and that plane takes off. You're like, here we go, baby. Made it. Made it. Got a World Cup under my belt. Doesn't matter if I'm a superstar, if we win the World Cup, it's going to say Tom Rennie played in the World Cup. Tom Rennie, World Cup roster. That that That's what all of this is. So when I see all this stuff and, oh, who's at fault? Gareth Southgate. Sack the manager. Yeah. Nobody gives a flying squirrel right now. Yeah, will it matter on the backside? Sure. They don't care. Were they, they entertaining enough? Were England entertaining against Italy? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It just doesn't. It, it doesn't matter because we're this close to the World Cup. What, what, do you know what, what I would have liked to have seen? And this goes into the kind of US conversation as well, though. I think the US, because they're not in the kind of favorites group, it's slightly different, right? But what I would like to have seen is the starting lineup. So the starting yeah. lineup for the first game for England in the game against Iran, play that against Italy, play that against Germany, which they haven't. And then we'll see what they can do. We'll learn 100%. some lessons. But 100%. no one learned any lessons because nope. even the players they brought, they haven't tried them. They brought Jared Bowen for some inexplicable reason, who's been just absolute pants for West Ham start of the season. And they got to the Germany game on the Monday and were like, well, yeah, made the squad. It took Ivan Tony on the, on the opposite has been incredible for Brentford. Mm. The Italy game. Yeah, don't take him. Don't, do you know what? Yeah. We ain't got a room on the plane, mate. It's, we've got, it's that. And like, Ari's got a whole bag of boots. And we've only got 24 <laughs> seats. Nothing we can do. Got to mm. take Ari's boots. So sorry, Ivan, stay at home. Like there was no reason to play them in terms of checking out the team for the World Cup, playing your best team and trying to get some cohesion there. There was That's no it. reason to do it in terms of testing people out, giving them a little go here. There was no reason to do it to get freshness in the legs because some of these guys, like Declan Rice already played maybe nine games, I think, for West Ham this season. So he's fresh enough. No reason to do it in terms of preseason. So there's no reason to do it, bar the fact that they've got to get this done before the European Championship qualifiers are done. So why could they have not done this in the last international window? Or why couldn't they do it in the games after the World Cup? Move the World Cup a bit earlier and do them a couple of games after the World Cup. After yeah. this, I'll be out. So unless yeah. you make the final, there's dates in the calendar and you're already with the squad. There's loads of ways they could have done it. There's loads of ways... They could have just paused the whole thing and done it when they're going to finish this silly net. I think Holland qualified for the final, whatever that means. Like, they could have done it a couple of weeks before the final, done a tournament, or just not done it this time. There was loads of options, but they gave us this. But, but and, and on top of that, I mean, think about this. What you've also done, and listen, if you're, if you're going to have an international window, playing against Italy and Germany are incredible opponents in terms of the quality, right? you are going to really understand what you are or maybe more importantly, what you are not with certain players. But what it's also done, Nations League has cocked up everything for everybody else. So, yes, you get two great games, but wouldn't this be really a great opportunity to find a team that's similar playing style against Iran? Yeah. That, to, to find a team that's similar style to the United States? Like, not... If, if England right now in this in this window, right, if you could have played Canada and Saudi played, Arabia or you play uh, you play Japan and Mexico. Yeah. All of a sudden, the styles of play 
then you have a better understanding of what the, the football looks like for the region football, the press looks like, the athleticism looks like, the, the tactical nuances that teams play that are very similar capabilities. Those are great preparation starts for a guy like Gareth Southgate because then it, it, it you're comfortable. You're not confident, even though they'll be confident, they're England. They'll be comfortable and there'll be less unknowns as opposed to this disaster of a window that ultimately is being wasted because Gareth Southgate really isn't doing any, anything other than qualifying for a fanciful tournament on the backside or lack thereof now being relegated for the continuation of this fanciful conference league type of tournament during an international window. Final point on England, because I want to ask you about the US and I don't care enough to talk more about England, I think. But I, I, I just wanted to say that all this Southgate out stuff is just so vomit inducingly stupid. Mm-hmm. right? All this Southgate out stuff, because look, I get it. They haven't played well for a while. They're not particularly entertaining. The squad's really talented. And are they playing like a squad that's really talented? No, they're not. But people saying Southgate out baffled me a little bit. Because you'll know this because you are a piss take. And England six years ago were a joke. They were a joke on the international stage. And England have been a joke on the international stage for the majority of my life, never mind adult life. You know, we've had Sven Goran Eriksson, Fabio Capello, Sam Allardyce, nice pint of wine, you know, Venables, Hoddle, all of them. And, you know, Venables looked like a good manager. At the time, the press and the manager were enemies. And the same old press hacks that are still doing it now got rid of him, as they did Big Sam, you know, with the fake shake and all that sort of stuff. And during the most recent England era, we've gone out to Portugal, to Portugal, to Brazil, to Germany, to Germany again, to Iceland, to, you know, we lost to everybody. You know, there's times we've not got out of the group. In in tournaments, we've been a joke. And I won't have the argument that this is the most talented England generation ever. Sorry, the one under Sven had Paul Scholes, David Beckham, Alan Shearer, Michael Owen, Sol Campbell. I don't need to go on. We could do another four or five or six world-class talents. We've had better squads than this. Had better world-class talent than this. Agreed, agreed. What Gareth Southgate has done has navigated major tournaments. Hmm. He's navigated major tournaments. He got us to the semi-final of the World Cup which people for some reason now dismiss because they should have beaten Croatia, who are a very good footballing nation, who had Luka bloody Modric in the team and they won the game from midfield. (laughs) Blow my mind, right? And they lost the European Championship final one penalty. Should they have won the game? Probably, but they had Chiellini who should have been sent off and all that sort of stuff, blah, blah, blah. Didn't win it, but lost on penalties. Toss of a coin, but we got to a final and a semi-final. And now it's like... We should get someone else. And then the question is, who should we get? Now, I hate that question because it's always a bit of, um, you know, well, how do I know? It's the FA's job to find out who the next manager is. It's not my job. It's their job. And it's like, no, they've done their job and they've chosen Gareth Southgate. So sorry, Chris. So like, don't like, (laughs) don't like throw. Oh, we've got to get rid of him. And you've got nothing else back. Because they have made a choice and it's the bloke that got them to a European Championship and a World Cup final. And to say get him out now in September when the Mm. tournament is in November and he's qualified for it and the other nations suck at the same time too because no one cares about it. It might be handshakes all round afterwards. We might say, yeah, Trent, Alexander-Arnold should have gone and Tony should have started and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, Maybe. But if I'll ask you a question on it and then I want to ask you about the US. I think that's interesting. But 
the, the, the whole like Southgate out thing, it just, it just, it's, it's insane. If he yeah. hasn't earned it, how yeah. do you earn it? Well, and what, who's going to replace him? Frank Lampard, Steven Gerrard. Are you going to go foreign again? And the pushback you would get there. Um, and, and by the way, two things. One, how did you do that with your neck? Two, oh, I love this. how Chris, yeah, Chris, oh, I can do it too. Yeah. Uh, and it just Chris, looks weird because you're looking directly at me on a camera. I like, I still like the cheat. You having that? The Chicharito dance is still my favorite. Um, and by the way, Chris, Chris no longer enjoys the show. Chris is timestamping everything, and you can hear, you can watch him smashing it, going. Shit. I can say, can I say? Shit? Is that no. acceptable? No. Okay, well then, double sorry, Chris. There, I didn't mean to. This needs to go out I, on broadcast radio when cut down, as well as being a podcast. <laughs> there we go. Um, all right, Southgate, good manager, has the sweat equity. I use that word a lot. The sweat equity Love because sweat what he's equity. done. In, in previous tournaments deserves a chance. I, I don't really care. Here's the other thing. This is a subtopic to this. Trent Alexander-Arnold. Hmm. I wanted to talk about this. Great player. Fantastic for Liverpool. Fits the system perfectly. You can talk about tactical discipline or, you know, the, 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 the nous needed for, you know, what the shape looks like and the responsibilities. Uh, is he good enough? Is he bad enough? When you compare and contrast him to, you know, to, to Reese or to Walker or whoever else is on that right-hand side, uh, Trippier, that's fine, right? It's okay for Gareth Southgate not to like Trent Alexander-Arnold. Yeah. If you're a Liverpool fan, listen, I get it. You get your undies twisted. Liverpool's the best club in the world. You play Liverpool ball, mate. Um, I don't even know if that was right. But what I, was I'm, that? I'm gonna go with, what I'm was sure. that? I'm not sure. That was, was like weird. Mixed, that it was, was like weird. Australian and like. That was all know. over the place. None it of it was, made sense, but well, close enough. Good, but you you get it, you get it. Yeah. Um, it's okay, and guess what? It's it's also okay that he likes Harry Maguire, and yeah. he believes in Harry. These are all okay things because at the end of the day, we will judge the team based on the success or the failure, the individual success and the failure, his choices for his tactics, his shapes, his identities, and it is a subjective business. This is what people forget. We can talk about the best team, the best players and all of that. It's never the best players that are chosen for a World Cup roster. It's the best complement of players for that group. Because guess what? Trent Alexander-Arnold is one of the best right, right backs in England. But he might not need him based if he's playing a three in the back mm. or he's going to ask for five in the back or he's going to play a flat four based on the strengths and weaknesses of the other players around. And also maybe, just maybe, that one or two of these guys can play multiple positions, whereas Trent is going to be singularly a right back or a right wing back. So everything can be true at the same time. And not all of it has to be wrong at the same time. Yeah. And just remember, and we'll talk about the U.S. team next, at the end of the day, these managers deserve the leniency to pick and choose who they think fits the quote unquote system that they are trying to play. Because ultimately that cockiness, that swagger, that self-belief is the reason why these guys got the job in the first place. So they live and die by the results and they'll take, you know, they'll take the flack from the press and from the fans and from Twitter and all the other things. But at the end of the day, don't they deserve a little bit of leniency when it comes to the players that they're choosing? Yeah. I think you do if you've got credit in the bank, like someone like Gareth Southgate does. If you're a brand new manager and you were hired for this tournament and you're not picking players, then fair enough. We know nothing about them. But if you've shown you can navigate tournament football yeah. uh, to a very good amount of success, like people who think what England has done isn't successful are just on the crazy pills, I think. 
um, or, you know, they're stuck up their own up, which is, you know, basically the same thing. Sorry, Chris. Um, I just think that, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree completely. Shame we went with this Friday, mind, because we were live on Grumpy Pundits during the USA-Japan game. Mm. Now, I want to caveat this, as I always do with these things, is that I don't really care how the US do. I wish you well. I wish you well. But if you don't win, I don't, don't lose any sleep. I hope we've done an entertaining program. I gave you a nice opinion. But I don't lose any sleep over it. But you do, which is why I think you're more interesting here than I am on this topic. But it was so fun being on the show on Grumpy Pundits because... We're watching it and I'm, I don't really care, but they were mm. so bad. It was annoying me. Yeah, yeah. And it was getting so irritating. I was getting annoyed by it. And then when we got to the pre-planned substitutions <laughs> and it was a bit like, it, I've been doing shows in America, right? Maybe two, three years. Yeah. And we've had the same conversations about the US men's national team for two, three years, which are, who's the striker going to be? Who's the defense yep. going to be? Yep. What's the style of play? Who's the goalkeeper? You know, yada, yada, yada. Loads of questions that we thought we had answers to. And then suddenly there's the whole Jordan Peefock thing, which makes no sense. Pulis is injured again because his bones are made of brandy snaps. You know, yada, yada, yada. It goes on and on and on. Um, is it Stefan? Now he's not in the squad. Now it's Turner, but he's been bad for Arsenal. Again, blah, blah, blah. We've done all this. But then you get to these two games before the World Cup. And we spoke to Alexi Lalas earlier in the week. Um, and it was really interesting because he was like, I think his opponents are great. The opponents are great because in Japan, you've got a strong middle ranking team, maybe a bit like Wales in terms of their ranking. And we've got a great chance to play someone like they're going to be. And then you've got the Saudi Arabia game, similar to the Iran, which we mentioned earlier on for England. And we could really learn something. And we got to the Japan game. And obviously they played poorly, but it's a friendly, so nobody cares, right? But they played the game, Dunny, like it was a preseason friendly, like they needed to get some, some, some minutes in the legs, get them loose, get them warmed up, get them running, get them working hard. And that was what the game was for. But instead I thought, well, why wouldn't you play the team you're going to play against Wales? Play that team as best you can. Of course, injuries and variables. But in general, play that team, play that style. And instead, it was sort of a little bit like 12-year-old headless chickens. Mm -hmm. And suddenly, you've got Ferreira starting, but then Sargent's on. But then the whole thing to me seemed like a total mess. And everyone at the US men's national team management and the manager might as well have not played these games mm. because we learned nothing and we learned nothing because of how they managed it. Well, I, I would say what we did learn is we should be super concerned if we're a U.S. men's national team fan right now because, listen, we can, we can check all the boxes, right? Well, they qualified for the World Cup. They've won a couple tournaments, regional tournaments, and they've beaten Mexico. Um, they've qualified as the youngest team by two years collectively for the World Cup. All those are... All those can be true. All those can be great. I was really concerned. So I was on the plane come back from ESPN and had the layover um, in Detroit, was watching the, as I was boarding, I was watching the game. And then on the plane, thankfully, uh, I was able to watch ESPN too. I fell asleep in the second half. I was so bored watching that game that I, I legit fell asleep sometime around the 50th minute and woke up and the game was over and it was on like, you know, some sports center show. It was terrible to watch. Now, we talk about the field conditions. We can talk about all It's the same for both teams. Uh, I have the utmost respect. I've played against Japan. Their press, their athleticism, it, it, tactically, off the charts. Off the charts. Now, we can talk about player quality, individual quality, you know, big names, who, who's recognizable. That's great. Fine. But the way they pressed, they were stifling. And what, what I learned watching 
is, again, Gio Reyna is a phenomenal player. Tyler Adams, without him, U.S. is just straight up screwed. And then everybody else was in third gear. Mm. Third gear. Um, why? Why would I couldn't? That, that's I, I don't. I don't why? know. I don't know. None of us know. None of it. None of it. I thought Matt Turner acquitted himself pretty well. I mean, Jesus Ferreira knocks in that header early mm. instead of pushing it over the bar. It's a completely different game, right? All of a sudden, the rhythm feels differently. The flow feels differently. Uh, both center backs struggle with the athleticism and the speed. Um, Weston McKinney. That was one of the poorest games that I've seen. The amount of turnovers and the sloppiness from him in the midfield. Which but he's usually... going to the World Cup, right? He's going to oh, the no, World Cup started. and he's got he's... how many games in he... the next month? Another 9, he's... 10, 11? He... Yeah. And, and so it was interesting because then then they're, they're all afterwards, right, when we're trying to do this dissection of, like, what happened, it was like, well, they didn't look sharp. And, oh, you know, like, oh, you expected them to look fresher. They were all competed. There's nothing to do with fresh. Again, the athleticism is off the charts. The I thought they ran the really hard. They, they worked real hard, those guys. They, Aronson they must have covered about 12, 15 kilometers. He was Again, constant. And, 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 and at the end of the day, it comes down to they were comprehensively beaten by Japan. Mm. And that's the concern. That That is... A, now, you know, the PFOC thing, he's not... He, he's, he just doesn't... He could score... 15 more goals for Union Berlin. I don't think he goes. Now, I'm interested to see tomorrow against Saudi Arabia what Ricardo Pepe looks like from the open. He gets an assist and a goal over at Groningen after going um, you know, over to the Eredivisie after leaving Augsburg and not really doing anything in the Bundesliga. That was my concern with going with such a, a low average team at this stage of where they're at was because it's going to be a grind. It was the same conversation that you and I and Tony Miola had about Josh Sargent leaving Schalke to go to Norwich City. Now he's in the championship, lower division, less quality players, playing as a central striker, scoring goals. So he's back in the good graces. Um, and, and, and again, I, I had this conversation the other day. You can't trust Pulisic. As much as you want to believe in Pulisic, as much as he's been hyped to be the everything that everybody thinks he can be or wants him to be the reality is he's not he's a really good player but he's a he is a complimentary piece he is not a focal point and that's what people have to understand christian Pulisic makes your team better but christian Pulisic isn't going to be the guy that is the christian erickson of the U.S. men's national team that becomes the tempo player, the connecting player, the guy that's going to create something out of nothing, guy that's going to hit a final pass every single time or is capable of hitting the final pass every single time. So, listen, no Tim Weah, um, you know, with with Pulisic going down, does it look a little bit different? Does it feel a little bit different? What is the conversations about the midfield? Is Luca Della Torre a really good player? Is he a World Cup quality starting central midfielder? All of the two center backs, the relationship between them, who's right, who's wrong, who's indifferent. Sam Vines is not the answer at left back. No Anthony Robinson. It's a glaring, glaring uh, fall off a cliff in terms of the quality at the left back. So th- this, there's less clarity. There's more questions than answers. And the game on Tuesday is going to be the point where either U.S. soccer fans feel much better or for the next 55, six days, we're running around with our hair on fire, still talking about the same old things. And that is who's our defense or who's our goalkeeper, which Matt Turner, who's our two center backs. It's going to be Zimmerman and somebody. And then ultimately who's playing the striker in quote unquote, the system 
that Greg Berhalter wants his team to play. I mean, I agree with all of that, but I would say watching the Japan game, the system was not understandable. How they're going to play in the first game against the World Cup is completely unknown to me at this point. And the striker conversation has gone on for so long. I think teams play without strikers. Could they have not given that a whirl at some point as opposed to trying to find a way to make Josh Sargent happen? I, the whole thing was such a weird mess. And I didn't understand what the point of the game was. And I think that's the most annoying thing about a lot of the Nations League ones. They got no choice. But you've got a friendly here to, right, what was our goal? What was our goal to learn? And the fact you're still testing out strikers made no sense to me. Uh, the six subs made no sense to me. Like someone mentioned, oh, what about the fact England's women, when they won the Euros, made plan changes during every game? You having to go up plan changes. Yeah, but England knew exactly what they were doing in each game because they had a plan for bringing on certain players. And, you know, uh, Ellen White going off and Russo coming on, all that sort of stuff, it made sense. The US mm. changes were spaghetti at the wall changes. And they're not going to do them in every single game they're going to play. So there yeah. was no like long-term plan. It's it's apples and oranges with those substitutions. Um, I do want to move on because I want to ask you about Watford. And we're doing questions this week because we keep saying we're doing them and people are sending questions and we don't get round to them. But I do want to do this because I wrote it, which is about the European football calendar, which I know is screwed up because of Qatar this year. But there was a really interesting um, statement from FIFPro, who are the World Players Union. And they're always coming forward. They represent the majority, if not all players. Some might not be part of it, but I think the majority of European players are certainly. Uh, and it was at the World Leagues Forum this week, right? And I, I like to talk about this because I think it's absolutely right that, frankly, there are too many games and the calendar is a total mess. And the General Secretary of FIFPRO said, there's more attention now, more than ever, than where players' interests lie. The problem is the conversation's always about the competitions and not the calendar. And he talks a little bit about what Kevin De Bruyne has said and Ilkay Gundogan has said, which is they don't give a toss about players, which we know. Mm. Um, the trouble is that's led to a issue with the quality of the games and all that sort of stuff, right? So the game quality has gone down because of how mad the calendar is. So I just wanted to give you this and get your yeah. view on it, which yeah. is literally, here's how you do the European football calendar. It is not hard. This is so easy to me. I can't understand why it's not like this. So I'll just give you to it as England. There's some variables because there's only one cup in France and one in Italy. But here's how you do it. Super, super easy. OK, so in a normal year when there's no Qatar, what you do is you play two sets of Premier League football in the year. One is September to December and then you have February to May. Now, why is it like that? Because you get a run of nonstop, constant Premier League, domestic football, game, 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 game. You've got an issue with a game needing to be rearranged because your moniker's has died. Well, don't worry. There's no game on Wednesday because this mm. is the Premier League window of the season. So we're going to have the time for you to rearrange fixtures. Great. That's sorted. What else have you got? Well, we've got Champions League, Conference League and Europa League to do. So how do we fit that in? Well, it's easy because there's midweeks building up to December where you can do all of those games. But what you do is any team in Europe does not play in a League Cup. There is no League Cup if you're yeah. in Europe. What happens Great. is the other teams, and this year you'd have Newcastle, Aston Villa, Everton, massively supported clubs in England, plus you'd have Nottingham Forest and go down to the Championship, whatever, Derby County and Watford and whatever. Yeah. And you'd be like, well, how are you going to get sponsorship for something that Chelsea and Man United aren't in? 
Well, I'll tell you what would happen is you get the first final would be Newcastle against Aston Villa in front of 90,000 people at Wembley and Aston Villa, when they win it, would celebrate wildly and love that tournament. And they get into next year's Conference League with it as well if they want. Yep. I want to. And <laughs> then the sponsors be like, oh, actually, that is better than watching Chelsea's reserves in the third round. Yes, yes. Sponsored by some weird tight energy drink. So you get rid yes. of that. And so every team that's in Europe, they get the European windows. Every team that's in the Carabao Cup or whatever it will be called then, they get nice windows to play. And then you do the final of the League Cup at the end of December. Mm. So before the Premier League ends and before the FA Cup starts, because that's the next bit of my plan, you get a League Cup final. So you have a midweek League Cup, Premier League games, end of that run. You have a big final on the 31st of December or something like that. 30th, 26th, wherever you want. Massive final and it's won. Then... January, the FA Cup, the whole bloody thing. Forget the Premier League, got a nice big break from that. And it's game, 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 game. Third round, fourth round, fifth round, sixth round, semi-finals, final. FA Cup final is on January 31st. So now we've got two cup finals. Mm. One's December 31st, one's January 30th. It's amazing. Everyone's loved it. And then we have a run of Premier League through February to May. Premier League and league games only to the end of the season. Everyone focuses on it. It's amazing. But you have your European games sprinkled in the midweeks. Again, there's room in the calendar. But where are all these international games we're meant to have, I hear you ask? No one's making any money out of it. Well, what you do is you have July and August, pure international football. Non-stop, endless international football. June, off. Hit the beach. July, internationals, friendlies. And then in August, it's going to be... Conference League, Nations League, whatever they want to call their weird European competitions, <laughs> right? And it's done. It's That's yeah. it done. And then it's mm. clean and it's pure and it's simple and it's understandable. It's not, oh, I've got a game Saturday. What is it? FA Cup. What we got after that? Champions League. What's next? Oh, the Carabao Cup. And then Premier League. And then International Break, mate, which mm. is just really, really dumb. By the way, your FA Cup idea is going to be put into plan. It will not be theoretical. You will see that idea between MLS and Liga MX. They're calling it the League's Cup. It'll take place at the end of July through the third week of August. So that is absolutely happening next season. MLS is taking a break. So now you're going to have a regionalized domestic tournament that actually matters. Um, And you create rivalries and you put a ton of money in the pockets of not only the organizers, but the clubs and more importantly, the players. So that is absolutely happening. Uh, by the way, I told you about Barcelona's uh, Araujo, Ar- 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 um, uh, the Uruguayan defender. Uh, because of his injury for Uruguay, FIFA is paying Barca 20,458 euro every single day what? until Araujo is medically greenlit to return to Barcelona training. Because this is part of FIFA's regulations to protect players when they go on international duty, that if they returned injured, because clubs obviously are paying the wages of these players, that they would be financially compensated. So 20,458 euros is what FIFA is paying Barcelona every single day because of this injury during the stupid international break as teams specifically in South America are having to fly absurd amounts of miles and airplane flights to just figure out a way to get a game in preparation of the world cup. Not too long or not too far away. If it had its own window in the calendar, they wouldn't even be in this mess from an insurance perspective. So I'm even Mm. helping them from an insurance perspective here. 
Uh, I hope it works. I hope that works well, actually. You mentioned that before, which I think is a brilliant idea. I hope it works well. And I think it's the same in all sports. Have your own space in the calendar and don't get the ump because you've not got a game for a while, because then you get your space in the calendar. You will get some th- something from it if you give up something. I yeah. know, like, you know, that's socialism, right? But it actually sort of does work with capitalism thrown in. That's called the West. Should we do questions this week? I think we should do questions. Yeah, let's do some questions. So, so many people sent us some brilliant questions and mm. our producer Tim has collated them for us. So we're going to do a question show on Friday, uh, but Danny was off. We we're going to do one last Monday, but then we started talking about something and ran out of time. Um, but Tim's off this week because he has more days off than Father Christmas. So It's incredible. Uh, he's always off, isn't he? He has so many it holidays. He really is, yeah. How do you have that much of a social life? Like, how? No. How is there yeah. time? Um, the good news is, though, we've got a better broadcaster because he's from Australia, uh, and they, they 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 bring good people. Oh, good people, <laughs> as they would say. And it's Chris who's here producing the show today. Uh, Chris, welcome to the program. Um, should we do cricket for 10 minutes, or should we do listener questions? I, what do you think? I was about to say, this is going to be an historic moment in this podcast, right? Has there ever been more cricket fans than not cricket fans in one of these shows? Do you love the cricket, ah, the cricket, Danny? I, See, I wouldn't say I'm not a cricket fan. I just don't understand the rules. You zone out every time we talk about it. I, it's it's true because I just I got no skin in the game. I but I will say my friends who are Jamaican that I've played with, uh, Woldy Harris, Tyrell Marshall, Woldy actually has two gold teeth in the front, uh, because no four because he got his teeth knocked out with a cricket bat when he was a kid. Oh, so we would they would actually bring the cricket bat and they would throw it and at me and I would love to smash it until. One day they took it real serious and he threw it and or bowled. And I was about to say they would bowl it at you. He was, he was, they're throwing it at you because it's over the top (laughs) and all that stuff. It's not underhand, but the ball was spinning all over the place and it hit the ground and took off the opposite way. And it was, I don't know, it was like a curveball or a slider in baseball terms, but spin. Yeah. Like if, if I, if I, if I have something in my hand, like I'm invested. But yeah, yeah, when you guys start talking, I'm like, (sighs) well, I think, I think the third, the third T20 England Pakistan might be like today, might be tomorrow. Mm. Uh, give it a whirl. Give it a whirl. T20 is a really good way in. It's I, I, I don't. It's not my preferred way of watching cricket, but if you want to like get into it, and they're trying yeah. to appeal to Americans who I think played like Zambia or something this week into cricket, it's a good <laughs> entryway in. So watch this and get back to us for next week. All right, that's your mission. And then, and then by the end of the year, you can get into tests. Yeah, thank you. There we go. When you get on your big boy trousers, we can watch exactly. Uh, Chris, give us some questions. Who? What have we got? All right. The first question is from Michael, and Michael asks, "Which stadium do both of you hate to commentate from, and why? And conversely, which is your favorite?" Ooh. Ooh. Um, Okay, so I'll go MLS versions. Uh, I hate calling games from BBVA Compass Stadium in Houston. Um, and it has nothing to do with the city of Houston. It has nothing to really do with the team, the Houston Dynamo. It's because the numpties that designed it didn't put a bathroom on the floor that the commentators booths are at. So they've got one of the slowest elevators in the history of man. And so if you've got to take a leak, which a majority of us are either pre-planning and somewhat dehydrating ourselves before a broadcast, if you have to go, the elevator takes forever to get downstairs. And then you got to go outside into the main area and you got to go basically down to the 18 yard box on either side in the public restrooms just to try to take a piss. So I've peed into a water bottle in the middle of a broadcast and I've asked everyone to turn around. I'm like, I can't hold it. And it's because 
the numpties didn't sort out a single bathroom at BBVA Compass Stadium. So that's my least favorite place to call a game. And what's your most favorite? Did you do most favorite? I was drawn in by the urine story, so I didn't get most favorite. So the 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 two. Well, I've got three. I'll round I'll round them out. So you can't have I like, three. Come I like, on, just I like, take one. I like Kansas City. Um, okay. I like L- uh, LAFC's new stadium, mm-hmm. uh, Bank of California. I'm gonna go with terrible Portland for the parking. Port- Portland Timbers, yeah, really expensive. The Portland Timbers, because you can walk up. It's downtown. You can walk from your hotel. You can get there. It's just got such a great atmosphere. It's got such a great vibe. The stadium itself was a converted former baseball stadium, but it's seen all sorts of events like Santa riding a motorcycle and jumping like 150 feet like he's evil Knievel. Um, It's dug into the ground. So as you walk up, it's not this big monstrosity. And I just think the Portland fans have so much history and culture with the game that it is from the moment you walk in to the moment that you leave, the noise, the reverb, the fans, the dancing, the singing, the chanting. You've got a guy... Uh, Timber Joey that's walking around with a chainsaw, a real chainsaw when they score goals or cutting wood. I, I just think the atmosphere is pretty incredible. And I've I've been there as a as a play-by-play. I've been there as a sideline. I've been there as an analyst. And I think all three variables are really unique and different. So, yeah, I, I really enjoy calling games from Portland. My, my weird thing here is that the, I just this is going to upset probably people, make people think I've got a favorite in the North London Derby, which I'm working on this weekend on Saturday, which I don't have a favourite. I don't like either of them. Um, But my favourite stadium and the best media facilities Mm. in the country is Tottenham Hotspur. The the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, which I've said to you a few times, whenever it comes up, your favourite stadium, what they have done with that venue is incredible. It's it's Mm. absolutely incredible. Uh, and like most people listening, like you, I've been to stadiums all around the world. The New Camp, the Allianz, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, all the best stadiums in the world. A lot of them I've been to. Most people have. And most of most Premier League grounds I've been to multiple times. The London ones, I can't even count how many times. But Tottenham Hotspur, the media facilities are incredible. Uh, the stadium is incredible. The marketplace area for fans are incredible. The noise the noise generated from that roof and the way it, it, it's all kind of thought through is incredible. But just as a media perspective bit, they built an NFL size media section. And so you always get in and your view. I, I posted on my view a few times on Twitter. It's just, it, it, it has to be seen to be believed. It's so good. Even if you're up in the stands, you feel like you're on top of it all. Hmm. Um, which is just incredible. You know, it's like I go to West Ham a lot and you get a good view, but you feel like you're nowhere near it because it was designed as a bowl. Whereas at Tottenham Hotspur, it was designed to be like almost upwards. Uh, Brilliant, incredible, amazing. My least favorite is Arsenal because the place that they sit us, you know, there's a TV broadcast gantry bit in the top tier, but Hmm. they tend to put the radio broadcast in the bottom tier. And I've reported there a lot. And you basically, you can't see the ball if it goes above like a foot above someone's head. So any crosses, you often can't see it coming in. And because you're so in with the supporters, if they stand up to watch something happen, you then can't see it. And so you then look up to a TV screen above you and you know someone scored, but you don't know what's happened. So you've got to then take Mm. it off the TV seconds later, which is bad. Plus, I, I have had some altercations with supporters walking past who like, they don't like my company, not my personal company, but the company I work for. So they take out their frustrations on another presenter on you. 
and you're yeah. like I'm in the middle of something. You know, people have had kind of their phones taken and things. You're right in the middle of it, so it's just not a great experience, especially if Arsenal have lost. And you're saying, you know, what a big night from Wolverhampton Wanderers. They've been the better team and they deserve to win. Angry Arsenal fan is walking by you and they hate your company. It's mm. not a great environment. So, and it's a terrible view. So, least favorite Emirates Stadium. Uh, favorite Tottenham Hotspur. Perfect. Next question, fellas. This is from Danny. And Danny asks, have you gents bought and filled in your Panini World Cup 22 sticker books yet? If so, which are your favorite mugshots? This sticker book is probably the best part of the whole tournament. We'd love to see a Premier League sticker book in the States. So it's funny this question has, has been brought up because I was actually in a soccer shop. I, mean, I, I want to support local. When I go buy my boots, we could buy you know stuff online for the kids, but I, I'd rather you know the mom and pop shops. I still think there's something so unique and dynamic about you know proper like it's called Soccer International here. My friend Connie runs it, so I, I want to support him and I want to support what they do because you know the brick and mortars are disappearing left and right across the board in every business. But we were in there and the Paninis. My my son who likes to cr- like collect cards um, was like, oh, so what's this? And I was like trying to tell him everything about it. A panini stickers, uh, a panini sticker pack now, three dollars and twenty five cents. Oh no, no, no! Per no. sticker pack in the U.S. Oh. And what'd you get? Five, four. Yeah, it's it's. And so I like open it up, and I was like, "Holy sh! Sorry, Chris, this is gonna cost me like two grand to try to fill this thing up." So no, I, I'm not a. I'm not a like sticker guy. When I was young, I like collected baseball cards and all of those things. And, you know, it, you know, I just, I, I can't get into it. Uh, mm. It's not my thing. Um, but I'm also not the guy that wears like jerseys. So maybe that gives you a little bit of, like insight who I am. Well, it's different for you as well, because you played as well. So when yeah. you're sort of, yeah. it's, you know, I've got a picture of my mate here. Yeah. Oh, look, I feel like a douche, I feel like a douche bag walking yeah, around. Like with, it's like, not, it's just not the same. So, in that sorry, era. Chris. But I think that's okay. That's I think that's daytime acceptable. I mean, it's a bit, it's a bit, it's a bit grimy, but it's got to be done. Uh, I I just think that uh, when I was a kid, the sticker book, Panini Premier League sticker book, was hot currency at the Wybridge Junior School uh, playground. It was a hot scene, like trying to get you know the shinies and trying to get the right players. There was a real hardcore trading element to it. Um, But as an adult, I did do it once on like a feature for a radio program, we got a World Cup. Um, was it the last European Championship, maybe? No, it was the last World Cup. We had it. We were doing it on the show, but then the show got cancelled before the World Cup finished. So I never actually finished the second book because I was do- I was taking, like, petty cash to do it. Um, and But we couldn't do it in the end. We, we kind of we got cancelled. So <laughs> I, I just don't have any fondness for the sticker books, really. I think it's yeah. excellent for kids, and I think you really learn a lot about, like, what you're willing to trade. And it's yeah. like... It's an excellent training if you're ever going to be like working in the financial markets because, you know, and it's a great lesson in what you're willing to risk and what you're willing to, to do to get what you want. And the, the concept of completing something you're collecting is fantastic. I've collected other things. Um, but Panini stickers, I'm a 36-year-old man and my chancellor just crashed our economy. So I'm probably not going to be spending a great deal of money on it, I'll be honest. All right, we'll try to squeeze in another one or two questions here before we have to jet off. But the next question is from Positive on Twitter, who asks, who should take over Leicester when Brendan Rodgers is inevitably sacked? And a follow-up question from Carl, has Danny found another manager to impersonate? Mm. 
Oh, uh, who should take over Leicester City? I, I would have said Slavin Bilic, but Slavin just took the Watford job for some stupid reason. Because well, that means he'll be unemployed again in a week. Well, that's a great shout. He might. Uh, yeah, he's what the fifth manager in the last twelve months. No, tenth manager. Some crazy statistic. That club um, need to be protected from the, themselves. Like the oh, Potso, yeah. there, there should be a law preventing the Potso's from running a football club. They're Potso. so incompetent. They shouldn't be allowed to do it anymore. You should be like. Eh, eh, I think I, I think I got to say sorry, Chris, for that one. And now um, you can you can do another impression. You can do um, oh, Ranieri. Oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> I think I should say I'm sorry, Chris, again. Um, yeah, I, I don't know for Lester. I think that's that. This is a part of the this is a part of the issue, right? You don't want to pay Brendan Rodgers to walk away, but then also who have you identified? So. Deserby comes in, maybe they go outside the box with kind of how Brighton's done it. Maybe there's a younger-ish type of manager. Maybe they swing for the fences and try to go for a guy like Pochettino, but I'm not sure he wants to operate in that playground anymore. Um, I'm not sure. Now, manager impressions, I got to really work on that, right? I mm. really, really, really got to think about this. And you got to be careful because like, I think I, I'm only going to do white Europeans and even mm. then not not go too far with the, uh, with the impression, yeah. you know, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't like, oh, he's German. So I'm going to do like Hitler or something. You know, that just, it's way too <laughs> far. To but to but you might have done that. You might have done that in like 1990, right? That was sort of like a bit more acceptable for some reason. Yeah. Whereas I think, oh no, you've got to do it like, like fondly. Like I do Mr. Gruber from Paddington for Germans, <laughs> uh, which is, I just think it's quite a sweet impression personally. Um, so you've got to be careful. So who could, so who could, can you do like, can you do like basically only Jesse, Jesse Marsh? Uh, n- no, be, well, Jesse just screams. Hey, what the f- is like? Sorry, Chris. Sorry, like, Chris. His his that was very good yelling. though. Yeah, I well, I they screw you, Bruno Large, as Jesse Marsh. Hey, referee, screw you, Bruno, you big. <laughs> Again, sorry, Chris. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna stop. I'm sorry. It was unsettling the way you said big. To be honest, <laughs> that was unsettling. That was unsettling for all of us. Uh, yes, good. Imp- yeah, I mean. My only thought on that is that Rodgers is not going to get sacked because they can't sack him and he won't walk away. So it's a bit of a moot point, but whoever they hire, the next one will be free. What? One more, really quick one. We'll do one more question. That's it for the day. All right. The last question is from Brendan. And Brendan asks, should the Premier League consider expanding to the same amount of teams as the English Championship? Uh, I don't think they should because I think the championship is already a manic, manic league with too many games, too much is happening in there, but they can do it because there's not other competitions. So I think the lower leagues in England are good to be expanded. I may well expand them more. The Premier League, I think 20 is a nice, sweet spot. I think 38 is a sweet spot. I hope there's not further conversations about reduction. Um, So I, I, I couldn't currently see the benefit to doing it. I wouldn't want more, and I certainly wouldn't want less. I think 20 is about right. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I, I think one of the things we talk about out here in Major League Soccer is the the incredible growth that we've seen, that then on the weekend, you are, you, you almost begin to dilute, you get into the conversation that you're diluting the quality, not because the quality, because it's an international sport, right? It, it, you can find players all over the world, but you dilute the ability to really hone in on some incredible games and some incredible matchups. And I think once you start opening up the tail end of the Premier League table, then you're just looking at more blowouts. You're looking at more poor games that people aren't going to pay attention to, that there is going to be a small, concise, really homerish type of fan base that'll be really interested in what happened, but it's not, it's not going to move the needle for 
big games and you, you'll just see a bunch of blowouts. The only reason I would support it, because that's a really good point, is if they spin the pyramid of cash yeah. and they do what I've always said they do, which give the bottom team that stays in the league, so currently it'd be 17th, the most money and mm-hmm. give the champions the least money because yeah. that is what it's meant to be like. If they want to do more teams but distribute wealth significantly better and have different winners and make it more chaotic and interesting and more teams can actually win the That's thing. That's MLS. That, you just described MLS. We call it you suck allocation money. Yes. If you miss out on the playoffs, you're actually rewarded for sucking. You get more money to better compete the But following then there's still season. the risk of relegation. So still three teams would go down, but the first team to stay in it would get more money. So they yeah. don't. So it's 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 MLS-ish. It's got an MLS yeah. vibe about it. It's like M. With accountability. It's MLS major Premier League soccer is what it is. Yeah. Major Premier League soccer. That's what I'm supporting. Week in the Tackle is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts.